She's one of the first to compete in this debut event. She's used to the traditional game five on five, but Kelsey Plum played three on three basketball last week in the Tokyo Olympics, and she won gold. She was drafted first overall, the all-time leading scorer in women's Division I basketball history. Setback after setback, met a rocky start to a promising career. Kelsey Plum hasn't played more than three games since 2019, but she's led the qualifying three-on-three team to the Olympics. Three-on-three is new with slightly different rules. But Plum was grateful to be there, saying, The Lord has always been precise about where he wants me. As I grow into a woman of faith, I try to be a light. You are the light of the world, Jesus said. Whether you're an Olympian or not, you've been called out of darkness into marvelous light to proclaim his excellencies. That's an Olympic moment. And welcome to Haven Today. I'm Charles Morris, sharing the great story that's all about Jesus, and we're in a series this week, like last week, called In His Image. Olympic stories like Kelsey Plum's remind all of us that life is a long journey, and we don't always know where the Lord is leading us. And after the fall in Genesis 3, we see humanity's journey away from God. But we also see God's redemptive hand leading us back to him over and over again. Well, today, we're going to look back to Genesis one more time. We'll see how all of us are made in the image of God. And even in our sinful state, he is never too far from us, thanks to Jesus Christ. He came to us when we could not come to him. And in Jesus, We are made new so that we can reflect once again the image of God in our lives in a way that produces good fruit, much fruit. And if you wanted a better understanding what it means to be made in God's image, I'd like to send you a new documentary called In His Image, Delighting in God's Plan for Gender and Sexuality. It was made to help Christians better understand what the Bible teaches on the subject. And I appreciate how it deals with questions on sexuality and gender from a compassionate and biblical perspective. It's full of Christian thinkers, as well as testimonies of people who've come to Christ while dealing with these issues. I think this documentary will give you some hope that God is working in mighty ways to help people like you and me find our identity in Christ alone. So why don't you call us after this program? And the number to call is 800-654-2836, 800-65-HAVEN. Or visit our website. Check out the trailer we have there for In His Image. And then you can make your gift and ask for the double DVD at haventoday.org. Haventoday.org. And now, an appropriate song to open this program. Pilgrim's Progress. Keep running. Lord, I'm tired. I'm so tired from traveling. This straight and narrow is. 
so much harder than I thought And on this path I've met both doubt and pain And I've heard their voices say Yeah, you've given all you've got There's a cloud of witnesses The ones who've run this race Even louder than my fears They're crying Why you lift your face And keep running Keep running Don't lose heart Don't you give up now Don't turn around You've got to find a way Somehow to keep reaching Keep fighting The pain cannot compare To the reward That will be yours That waits in store Siren voices call Saying boy you're bound to fall With that heavy cross you bear But I remember there was one Who died to win this race He took the cross, he crushed the crater oh, I can hear my savior say Keep running, keep running
This is Haven Today in a program called In His Image. Matt Papa opening the program there with Pilgrim's Progress. Keep running. I'm Charles Morris. The story of the Bible after Genesis 3 is a story of a long pilgrimage. And I'm reminded, because we just heard that song, of John Bunyan's classic story, Pilgrim's Progress. That book follows one man on a personal journey to the celestial city, a journey that each of us is on if we are followers of Jesus. The story of the Bible is the long journey of the world to the new creation. It's the story of the Lord's faithfulness in this world and his commitment to his people despite their sin. I, for one, am so glad the Lord remains faithful. We give him so many reasons to walk away, but he still remains steadfast. Shortly after Adam and Eve fell into sin, they were evicted from the garden. They began that long pilgrimage into a fallen world. But the Lord was not far off. By the end of Genesis 4, we're told that Adam and his family began to call upon the name of the Lord. He was with them, and he's with us as we journey along in this life. We've been talking about what it means to be in his image and why that matters when it comes to human sexuality. Adam and Eve were still in God's image when they left the garden, and all their children remained in God's image. In fact, Genesis 5 tells us that Adam's son was in Adam's own image, in his likeness, just like the Lord made Adam in his image. Adam, the Lord's representative on earth, had children in his own image. The history of the human race is the history of the image of God, making its way by the power of the Spirit and by faith in Christ back to him. The question remains, how are we supposed to navigate these complex issues? It would be easy to shrug at the sins we face, especially sexual sins, and say all sin is equal, so this must not be that big a deal. It sounds nice, but are we consistent about this? Here's Dr. Sean McDowell speaking on the In His Image documentary about this claim that all sins are equal. So I do think, as Christians, sometimes we're guilty of saying, well, unjustified divorce, not a big deal. Well, pornography, not a big deal. But homosexuality, that's a terrible sin. So I think Christians have not been consistent all the time about how we approach this. Now, it doesn't fall that all sin is equal. The Bible nowhere teaches that all sin is equal. In fact, it says that Judas, who betrayed Jesus, committed the greater sin. The Bible doesn't teach that all sin is equal. In fact, it does say in 1 Corinthians 6 that sexual immorality, which would include all sorts of immoral sexual behavior, including homosexual behavior, is a sin you commit against your own body. So it's important for us to say that all sins are not equal. And there are some sins that are worse on us, our relationship. I think they grieve God more. In fact, it says in the scriptures, these particular sins God hates. We also have to ask ourselves, are we being consistent? And are we picking certain sins we don't like for whatever reason and ignoring some in our own lives? I think as a church, we've probably been guilty of that to a degree. Even though it's not even biblically correct, 
we are still inconsistent when we use this line of reasoning. You've seen it. I've seen it. The sins we really hate, we treat as far worse than any others. The sins maybe we struggle with, or that as a church we've come to accommodate, we play down. In the first case, we're so quick to say all sin is not equal. But when we are called to account, we back up and say all sin is equal, so we can try to minimize our own sin. It's nothing but inconsistent. And it's also hypocritical. And it makes us look like we have an agenda that isn't spiritually motivated. Sean McDowell is right. We haven't been consistent here. And it's caused harm to those who experience same-sex attraction or who engage in homosexual activity. We have to be clear. Some sins are worse than others. And some sins have worse and further-reaching consequences than others. They're both sinful, of course. But the sins of homosexual relations do damage to a person's own soul in a way that thinking impure thoughts doesn't. Neither can produce good fruit. Jesus' words from Matthew 7, Every good tree bears good fruit, but a bad tree bears bad fruit. A good tree cannot bear bad fruit, and a bad tree cannot bear good fruit. Here's Sean McDowell again, talking about bearing good fruit for the Lord. I think the most rhetorically and emotionally powerful argument is the claim that in Matthew seven fifteen through 20, Jesus says, you'll know a prophet, so to speak, by its fruit. So a good tree produces good fruit, a bad tree produces bad fruit. Look at the teaching, the historic Christian teaching about sex and marriage, and look at the depression, loneliness, and attempted suicide of many people with same-sex attraction who try to follow this teaching. Therefore, the teaching must be false. That has emotional power because myself and nobody watching this wants to contribute to somebody's suffering. But the question is, what is Jesus actually teaching in Matthew 7? If you look at the verses before and you look at the verses after, good fruit is not somebody's experience in trying to live out biblical teaching. That's not what good fruit is. Rather, good fruit is obedience and bad fruit is disobedience. So if you give a certain teaching and it causes somebody to stray from biblical truth, that's bad fruit and it's a false prophet. We are not called to judge biblical teaching by how difficult it is to live out. Can you imagine if our standard on marriage and divorce or somebody who's hooked on pornography is like, man, it's so hard, I can't stop. Well, no, we don't judge biblical teaching by how difficult it is to live. Matthew 7 says you judge biblical teaching if it encourages people to be obedient or if it encourages to be disobedient. So ironically, when this argument is made, they're actually encouraging people in the name of good fruit to be disobedient and produce bad fruit, the exact opposite of what this passage is teaching. Here's the bottom line. It isn't really a matter of trying to rank sins to make sure we're doing the less bad sins so we can look down on those doing the worse sins. Judas Iscariot was said to do the worst sin. 
and it had nothing to do with sexuality. It had everything to do with his allegiance to Christ. He sold the Son of God over to the Pharisees. He betrayed his Lord. The Lord has made a covenant promise to us to be our God, and we are his people. Intentionally disregarding our call to submit to him is nothing short of treason. This is why Jesus said that bad trees are gathered and thrown into the fire. A bad tree is unwilling, unable actually, to produce good fruit. It resists the life-giving power of Christ. It refuses to follow him in word and deed. And as Christians, we can't forget that Jesus was talking about people that thought they were in and not out. He was speaking to people who thought they followed the Lord. And this is a word for us today. It's especially a word for those who want to follow Jesus while still holding on to some sin. There's a reason the Apostle Paul said in 1 Corinthians 6 that sexual sinners will not inherit the kingdom. He wasn't talking about those who have committed that sin in the past. He wasn't talking about someone who engaged in homosexuality in the past. And he wasn't talking about image bearers who continue to struggle with impure desires. He was talking about those who intentionally disregard the covenant bond, those who claim the name of Christ, yet intentionally live opposed to him. We can't live for Christ while living for ourselves, and we can't follow Jesus as our Savior or submit to him as our Lord if we are still holding on to the sins we want to hold on to. And this brings me all the way back to Genesis 4 and the freedom that calling on the name of the Lord brings. Cain had just killed Abel, showing what indulging and hateful thoughts can lead to, showing what allegiance to sin over the Lord looks like. And then Adam and his family began calling upon the name of the Lord. It's only when we realize our sin and the dark, dark depths that sin can bring us into that we can see the Lord as our help and refuge, our Savior. Christ sets us free from our bondage to sin, and he frees us to follow him with our lives. He calls us to lay down our lives and to follow his word, but he doesn't leave us to this call by ourselves. By faith, we have the Spirit who is making us new day by day. It's a long journey, and it's a hard journey, but it's a worthwhile journey. He is with us, and he'll never leave us. Jesus, draw me ever near As I labor through the storm You have called me to this passage
of Christian artists singing Jesus draw me ever nearer on this haven today and I'm Charles Morris today the message we hear everywhere is to be true to ourselves this message is so strong we begin to buy into it but when we look and turn to God's word we see that our true self is a fallen self and even though we were made in God's image We are fallen, and we're far from our Savior. So I want to help you see better that when we find our identity only in Jesus Christ, that's when true change can begin. And the more we learn about how we are made in the image of God, made to bring him glory in all that we do, the easier it is to deny ourselves and become more like him. When you watch the new documentary called In His Image, Delighting in God's Plan for Gender and Sexuality, I think you'll understand this better. It's compassionately made, and it's filled with biblical truth. But even more, it points to the hope we can find in Jesus Christ. Even those struggling with their sexuality or gender, this double DVD set, will help you better understand this topic and give you hope that God is working to redeem many today and help them find their identity in Christ alone. Would you call us right now? Would you ask for the double DVD of In His Image? And for your gift to the ministry, we'll send it out right away. Our number you can call is 800-654-2800. 800-65-HAVEN or visit our website. Please watch that long trailer that we have there for In His Image. And then while you're there, take a listen to the full-length interview I did with the producer, M.D. Perkins, about the movie on our Great Stories podcast. And then you can make your gift and ask for the double DVD at haventoday.org. haventoday.org. I'm Charles Morris. Thank you so much for joining me. Won't you come back again tomorrow when again we get to share together the great story. It's all about Jesus here on Haven Today.
Here for your encouragement and your walk with Jesus, I'm Charles Morris with Haven Ministries, inviting you to anchor your day in God's Word. Not many hiding places are completely safe. Banks can be robbed. Secret stashes can be found. But there is one place that is completely safe. The Apostle Paul wrote to the Colossians, For you died and your life is now hidden with Christ in God. When Christ, who is your life, appears, then you also will appear with him in glory. There is no place safer than being with Christ in God. As we live on this fallen earth, you and I can know that our lives are hidden with Christ in heaven. One day, he's going to return. And when he returns, glory will come with him. This hiding place is what gives us confidence in the meantime. We are kept by Christ even now. Spend more time with Jesus. With Anchor Devotional, visit getanchor.com.